just as just a person as who he is, man. He's a he's a giver. He's a a fighter. He's a warrior. Um, he's an encourager. You know what I mean, uh, just a whole just for one thing, like it's his Chasing Millions Foundation. Like that's just always what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? He always wanted to give back. He's always wanted to help. Uh, he's always like looking for the next opportunity to just be a light to someone who's willing, who wants to be in our position. So like just. That's that's just him, you know what I mean? Like just thinking of it makes me smile because I know once he gets back to himself, like he's he's gonna be looking forward to helping out so many others. Yeah, you 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 lose sleep, you hurt for your brother. Um, a lot of shared grief, but to the question before, getting updates and positive updates eases so much of that that pain and that tension that you feel. The fact that we just keep hearing good news about Demar, it, it just keeps pushing us forward. Yeah, and I'd say from a player's view, hearing Mario talk to us, the words of encouragement that he had for us, um, and I had the chance actually to, to talk to him Monday night, and the only thing he said was, my son's going to be all right. What maybe DeMar's mom is going to share with him when he, <clears throat> when he wakes up, and um, Excuse me. It's amazing to to know the impact that this has had on um, so many of so many people, and for now, Demar to be awake and his mom to be able to share that with him is it's incredible. All right, welcome to One Bills Live here on a Friday, a very uplifting Friday as positive news continues uh, to stream in from Cincinnati, where we learned earlier today that Damar Hamlin FaceTime his teammates here in Buffalo from the UC Medical Center in Cincinnati and was uh, speaking briefly, mostly gesturing, uh, had his breathing tube removed overnight he had been still getting assistance breathing through a ventilator and that breathing tube came out last night no longer needing assistance is breathing completely on his own the players had no idea and they come into their morning meeting this morning and they're up on the screen in the front of the room is damar uh gesturing to his teammates and then saying love you guys uh, which was audible uh, to say that the room roared would be an understatement. Uh, they went bananas after seeing that. And um, just more good news coming from Cincinnati, which is what we were all hoping for through the course of this week. You know, when you still have a ventilator in, Steve, you're not out of the woods. There's always that risk of infection. Um, so seeing that the breathing tube is now out and he's breathing on his own, you almost feel, and we're not medical professionals, but you almost feel like he's out of the woods here in terms of the biggest risks that could impact his health. Yeah, and the fact that he communicated with his family and friends and the team via you know, technology and stuff is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a, we're everybody here in western New York and in this building, One Bills Drive, is in a much different place than they were just 48 hours ago. Um, you could tell the difference yesterday when uh, he woke up 
And the the when the team got news of that, uh, his, his teammates and coaches and everybody were just in such a different place. And of course, today they're even further away from that. Uh, and you know, they're starting to think about. We saw we heard the difference yesterday um, for the first time, and, and it's always a thing now. NFL practices they have music going. We didn't hear it until yesterday, and today uh, they had a walk throughout outside our offices, out in the and the thing. We don't we don't really watch it, but. You know, you, you walk through that room going to the coming into here, and you know they're just in a different place, um, a better place, a, a much better place, uh, much more normal, and and uh, so yeah, it's it's great to see, it's great to hear about that for Demar. Um, the news continues to be good, and you know the expectations now are are rising with each passing half day actually so right. it's awesome to see and hear and um, and the league is jumping on board there's going to be some stuff Chris is going to bring up in a minute yeah. about what the league is going to do this weekend at all the games all of that stuff so it's just uh, it's great to hear and I'm and I got to tell you I, I, not that I would expect anything less but there's so many this game that that I played and that they played today is so big in our country, and, and to, to our detriment at times, no question, it, it puts us all out of proportion and gets us all in a knot over things that, that it's a game. But it also, I think on the positive, <clears throat> for a tragedy like this, there was almost a tragedy, far more tragic than it was, um, the unification that it brought was in and of itself a relief and, and empowering for all of us as well. So... Um, Positives already coming out of this, what could have been a tragedy. Um, now it's so much more than that. And I think um, it's really, it was really cool to observe now in hindsight, now that things are looking great. Um, it's pretty astounding what has taken place. Astounding. Yeah. Uh, it looks like this just in NFL owners have approved the resolution modifying this year's playoffs, the possibility of a neutral site. AFC championship game and a coin flip to determine where a Ravens Bengals wildcard game would take place depend in part on what happens obviously in week 18. We do know going into this vote by NFL owners that the bank, the Bengals were vehemently opposed to the proposal. Even Zach Taylor commented on it to the media. He said, we want rules followed. Go by winning percentage. We've been fined several times this year and told we broke the rules. We just want the rules followed now. We have to turn our focus to control what we can control. So the Bengals' ownership supposedly was trying to scrounge up no votes to the proposal put forth by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, which we'll outline in a second. But essentially, uh, there were practices put in place here under the proposal to try to remove and mitigate some of the inequities caused by the league's decision to declare the Bills-Bengals game this past Monday night a no contest. So we'll get into those in a moment, but before we do that, we wanted to bring you some comments from General Manager Brandon Bean, who spoke to the media this morning. Since DeMar Hamlin was hospitalized Monday night. General Manager Brandon Bean has been in Cincinnati at the hospital at DeMar's bedside with his family. Just got back late last night, addressed the media this morning via Zoom. We wanted to provide 
some of his comments to you as he kind of described the scene the last few days at the UC Medical Center. Could you explain what the last few days were like for you and, and why you felt it was needed and necessary to stay in Cincinnati with DeMar? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's real simple, Maddie. It's um, what would you want someone to do for your son? And I got two boys and, um, you know, Sean wanted to stay as well, in fairness to him. And we were trying to figure it out. But as we're, you know, we're dealing with this in, in minutes, trying to make these, these decisions, we decided it was, you know, we are the leaders and he needs to lead these coaches and this team and help these guys get through back here because we don't know how long this is going to be. And we, we may have a game, which we do to prepare for. And so uh, we divided it up and I said, let me stay here. Let me support here. We'll work this out. And uh, that's why I love Sean. He's, he's, um, you know, we were able to work this through and he did a great job there. And, and, um, but it's, it was, it was a roller coaster, Manny, you know, and, um, but just, seeing his parents and the strength that they shown through this time and, and different friends and family that showed up, it was, it was great to see and learn more about DeMar. You know, obviously I knew who he was through the draft process and then just getting to know him this last year and a half, but uh, you learn so much more just, and you see why he is who he is by, you know, spending time with Mario and Nina. And it's uh, just so impressed with the medical team too. Uh, just these people. Yes. They're medical people, but their bedside manner, their care, you know, hugging us and seeing tears out of their eyes. I mean, uh, there's going to be a huge party when DeMar gets out of there. And uh, uh, that's the only part I'm, I'm sad that I'm, I'm not going to be able to see him walk out of there. But I'm going to be so thrilled when we get him back here. What was it like to be there and see the support roll in from across the nation and across the world and really see that GoFundMe number go up to well over seven million now? And it was, uh, you know, Tabani was keeping up with that and just like, hey, man, he's at three point this. He's at four point when I was just like and, you know, we were laughing with his mom. You know, you try to have some laughable moments in there. And, and we were laughing. She's like, man, he just wanted twenty five hundred dollars for this thing. She's like some of the toys he bought. It was there was always like some disagreements with which child gets this toy. And that, and I was like, you're, you're going to be passing out cars next year, not toys. And uh, so it's it's going to be exciting to see how excited DeMar is about what he can do because that's who DeMar is. And uh, he's so selfless and uh, he's always got a smile. I know Josh mentioned that yesterday. The kid always has a smile on his face. And today in that team meeting, man, it was um, hair on the back of my neck stood up when uh, he said, I love you boys, man. And the room went nuts. It was just, uh, it was, uh, it was awesome. That's amazing. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Maddie. Hey, Brandon, John Worrell. Hey, John. I hope you've uh, been getting some sleep. Um, uh, how uplifting was it? I mean, for having been there for, you know, those, those, those two first days and then to know that he was awake and was gripping people's hands um, to know that he had made that step in his recovery for you to be there. How heartwarming was that? And, and, and I guess, emotional. Very emotional. Um, you know, when you, anyone that's, had loved ones in, in life-threatening situations, the docs explained it to us. They said, it's going to be two step forward, one step back, you know, so, and they're always giving you best case, worst case. So there's always ups and downs. And, um, you know, that's where we wanted to just try and bond together with the family and, and, and help each other through it. But 
Uh, it was such positive news, you know, I would say two days ago. And then yesterday, walk in there uh, at seven in the morning and Dr. Knight comes in and is like, you're not going to believe it. Like he's responding to commands. He's given us, you know, he's still intubated, but he's given us, you know, signals with his hands and he's nodding. And, um, you know, I wanted to go back there then. He's like, hey, we got to, we, uh, we're going to talk through a few things where we're at, but we got back there around eight to Bonnie and Nate and myself and just able to hug him and the grip strength that he had. Uh, you know, I told Mario, I said, I'm not a crier, but uh, man, it was, uh, it was emotional. And then a lot of, a lot of grown men in there crying yesterday, but uh, I'll, it's something I'll never forget. And just one last thing, just um, as difficult and trying and then uplifting this week has been, I know you've probably had to have your GM hat on in dealing with the business of the NFL and and, and this game. And I know a lot of this is about DeMar, but just um, I just need to ask, were you the point person on dealing with Troy and, and, and the NFL on, on the game being canceled and, and just what your thoughts are on just how this whole seating thing is coming out? Yeah, I mean, we we didn't get involved with that part of it. You know, we we basically just uh, John left the game and just said, "Listen, we can't play. Uh, you guys have to decide what it is." They did keep me and Terry in the loop of some of the things that were being discussed, um, but we didn't really weigh into what our thoughts were. Um, you know, for the most part, it was really just these are some of the scenarios and. You know, I know what came out last night, but it still has to be voted on and approved. So we'll see where that goes today. I perfectly understand. I had to ask the question, but all the best to you. And, um, and you know, just the news on tomorrow is so fantastic. Yes, it is. Thank you, John. Hey, Brandon, it's Kofi. Um, You were obviously closer to the situation than most anybody was you, his family, and some other staff members. I think yesterday, the Zoom call with the doctors was probably when most of the outside worlds finally got peace of mind and knowing that he might be okay. Was there a moment for you where you had that moment of thinking, wow, he might get through this? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, when, when I left the hospital, my days are running together, but, you know, they had to make him flip him over and, you know, into a prone position um, early around 5.30 or 6 the morning after it happened. So that would have been Tuesday morning. You know, when, when we left on Tuesday night, you know, they said, listen, um, he's handling this well, but the big thing will be when we flip him back. How does he handle that? And sometimes the way it was explained to me is you flip him for an hour, but they start to struggle again and you got to flip them back on the prone. And if you can't get them to be able to lay back on their back, like, like I'm kind of sitting here, then um, there's other procedures that have to be done without getting too deep into the weeds. And so when they said later that day that, Hey, he's handling this great, that is great news. And that tells us that he's out of the woods from you know, the worst kind of scenario. And, and so you started to feel relief, still not there yet. But like I said, from that point on, it just seems like things were trending up. And then yesterday morning, you walk in there and he's responding to commands was absolutely not what I thought I was going to hear. And it was just, uh, it was, it was definitely tears of joy. 
All right, so that's Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean. Some of his comments from his press conference earlier today via Zoom with the Western New York media. And there was one other comment that Brandon communicated a little bit later on in the press conference. It just ran too long. It's more than the time we currently have on the show today because we've got plenty of other things to get to you. And the one thing that he said is how proud he is of this iteration of the Bills team. He said, I don't know if there will ever be another team that I am more proud of than this one in the way they came together, number one, for their teammate, the way the medical staff sprung into action to literally save DeMar's life, and the way they have, the way the team, the coaching staff, and the organization has handled preparations for a game just six days later. Um, he said he doesn't know if he'll ever be more proud of a team than he is of this one. So, yeah. just Hard to, to argue with that. Yeah, I mean, that's – they have been uh, stellar in every way and, uh, you know, still got some football to play. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. We, we've got playoff scenarios coming down. Uh, Brandon back in town now. Um, yeah, this is uh, – it's an, a changing landscape right now very quickly and it's going to be an interesting weekend in the NFL. It's going to be awesome to see the league take part in the in the DeMar Hamlin tribute, um, right. his recognition and the fact that he'll probably be able to see it. Uh, at least on t on TV, I guess. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's not leaving the hospital anytime soon, but still, awesome. Uh, we also wanted to pass along to you, head coach Sean McDermott. He obviously had an emotional press conference last night, flanked by Josh Allen in the evening yesterday. He came back on with the media today. He usually does on Fridays before games. Obviously, the tone of this press conference far more uplifting because it happened literally an hour after DeMar Hamlin addressed his team in a team meeting this morning and spoke to them, albeit briefly, now that his breathing tube is out. So here is head coach Sean McDermott providing some context to that scene in the Bills meeting room this morning when DeMar Hamlin surprised his teammates on FaceTime. Share what the emotional joy you must have experienced in hearing from DeMar you know, for the first time, you know, over Zoom and how truly remarkable his recovery has been. Yeah, um, probably won't be able to do it justice, honestly, um, with the words. Um, amazing, uh, touching to see DeMar, number one, uh, through my own eyes. Uh, I know that's something I've been looking forward to, um, kind of needing to see, I guess, um, I hate to say it that way. It sounds bad, but, um, and to watch the reaction in the room with the players and the, and the, and the staff and the team, um, they didn't know that we were going to do that. And, um, you know, wanted to make sure that that was actually going to be able to happen with DeMar's medical schedule there. And, um, to be able to, when I said that we had a treat in store, um, it was just, uh, you could see the look on their eye in anticipation of what was probably coming. And, and then uh, to get the Zoom, and when he came on the screen, um, and Tabani, our assistant trainer, has done a phenomenal job out there um, helping facilitate that this morning as well. And to, to see the players' reaction, um, they stood up right away and, and, and clapped for him and, you know, yelled some things to him. And, it was a pretty, pretty cool exchange for a few seconds there. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, sure. Hey, Sean, good morning again. Um, just to follow up on that, I'm I, reading the tweet that the announcement that you guys sent out that he had said, love you boys. Did he did he say anything else? Can you paint the picture of what was said and, and, and what else may have been exchanged there between your team and yeah. him? Yeah, Adam, so, um, and I can't remember the order of things and it was not a long interaction as you'd imagine um, with, with his with his situation. Um, um, but he made uh, hand signals, hand gestures, right? Of he, the thing that <laughs> makes me laugh is is he did this to the guys, you know, right away. And, um, he flexed, he flexed, uh, he flexed on them, I guess. And uh, um, he's just got some staple things that they know him for, and that he does. I mean, he made the heart the heart symbol probably more than anything, um, and then he gave him a thumbs up. So, uh, and then somewhere in the midst of, of that. And it was a little bit hard to hear, but he, as you'd imagine, he said, uh, he said, I love you boys. And uh, of course I think I got the guys, so. Thank you, Sean. Hey, Sean, we heard you speak about Denny last night. We've heard you speak about Tabani this morning. Um, how important has the training staff, the medical staff as a whole been throughout this process? I mean, they're they're the unsung heroes usually of the year, making sure the entire team is ready to go. There's been a lot of injuries this year. So this season and really just over the last three days, how important have they been to the entire team and to, to DeMar as well? Oh, they've been incredible. Uh, Maddie, I appreciate you, you know, following up on that point. I mean, they've just been incredible and there's such a, a big, uh, a wide net for all that are, have been kind of fall under that medical team uh, term, I guess, right? With the normal day-to-day -day training staff that is here, which Denny and Tabani are a part of, um, led by Nate Bresky. Um, and, and as I mentioned, Nate earlier, Nate, along with Brandon, um, just got back yesterday from, from Cincinnati as they'd been out there the, the entire time and Tabani uh, remains out there. Um, and then our, 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 our local team doctors based out of Buffalo uh, and their assistance in this. And um, obviously the doctors that I mentioned yesterday out there, um, the staff, it's just so many people involved, even just from a medical standpoint. Um, so we're just, and it was funny, I was driving to work this morning. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I'll say it anyway. I'm listening to XM radio and I've got a country station on highway. It's called Highway Country or something like that. And who are they talking about? But Denny Kellington, um, the assistant trainer from the Buffalo Bills. And I got to imagine that's a national uh, station. So um, I shared that with, with Denny this morning and he got a uh, good kick out of that. Thanks, John. Sure. Hey, Sean, um, I know you were in there when we were talking to Dane yesterday and wanted to ask you something similar of DeMar for so long has seemed so good at expressing that, you know, he loves guys, his care for people. And so I wanted to get your perspective on that of when did you kind of notice that about him of he's always been good at kind of telling guys he cares for them and then having it in such a meaningful moment today? Um. Yeah, I mean, just getting to know, it's funny, before we came on here, I was texting Pat Narduzzi, who is, uh, who is DeMar's college coach at University of Pittsburgh, and 
really, I'll give him a ton of credit. And for me, at least, our obviously our scouts do a great job uh, introducing us to players and, and their backgrounds and personalities and everything. Um, having said that, Pat Narduzzi and I have a relationship. And when he says certain things about a, about a player, um, I have a great amount of trust and respect for Pat. So, so I know that they're true. And the person that uh, certainly the player that Pat was describing to me and also then the, uh, the player, but, but the person he was describing has, um, was very accurate in terms of who DeMar is as a person. And um, I just can't thank him enough uh, for him really beginning this relationship for me personally with DeMar um, I don't know, a year and a half ago at this point, roughly. So, um, but the relationship that he has with Dane is, as you saw, is uh, runs deep and um, he has a similar relationship, obviously for not as long of a time with, with many in our building here. He's just an infectious young man with an infectious personality. Thanks. All right. That's head coach Sean McDermott to address the media this morning after we had learned that DeMar Hamlin addressed his teammates via FaceTime from the UC Medical Center with the assistance of assistant athletic trainer Tapani Richards, who has been with him uh, at his bedside since he checked into that hospital Monday night. GM Brandon Bean also out there in Cincinnati up until last evening when he flew back to Buffalo and now back in town. Um, Super, super cool. I mean, can you imagine being a player, Steve? You're going into your... Friday morning team meeting, the head coach comes up to the front of the room and says, we have a treat for you. And then all of a sudden on the screen is DeMar Hamlin and he's flexing on you from his hospital bed. Yeah, that's, I can't imagine how uplifting that is. Yeah, that's pretty big. Uh, You can imagine what, what the room was like. I can imagine what the room was like. Awesome. Um, Not only for their relief about DeMar, but also the affection they have for each other in the room right then. So, yeah, those are that's pretty good. Mo- that's a pretty special moment to think about. As Steve mentioned at the top of the show, there are going to be special measures taken league wide to honor Demar Hamlin for this weekend's games across the NFL. And essentially, there is going to be a pregame moment of support. The NFL distributed a public address announcement that clubs are encouraged to read prior to the national anthem as a unified show of support. For DeMar, the first responders, and the medical caregivers, basically it's going to ask fans uh, to honor them in a moment of support and cheer. And, you know, it's going to be a a loud kind of moment of recognition, cheering DeMar's recovery as well as the medical people who were responsible for saving his life as well as his recovery. There will also be field painting. All clubs, home and away, may outline the number three on each 30-yard line number on the field in either Buffalo Bills red or Bills blue. We already saw the Jacksonville Jaguars tweet out their painting of the threes on their field for their home game this weekend. During warm-ups, all players throughout the league will have the option to wear black Nike T-shirts displaying Love for DeMar 3. During warm-ups here in Buffalo, Bills players will wear a similarly, similar Nike shirt, but it'll be in the team's royal blue color, and there will be new era hats embroidered with the three on them provided to Bill's football personnel to wear during warm-ups as well. And then finally, number three jersey patches 
will be worn by the Bills this weekend on their uniform just below the shoulder. Um, Fans across the league will also continue to be encouraged to support DeMar's GoFundMe fundraiser at his Chasing M's Foundation, which is now over $7.6 million raised. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. And the only <laughs> the only way this is going to be any more poignant is if the score ends up being 33-3. Oh, Bills. my gosh. <laughs> I'll take it I'm as long t- as the Bills I'm have 33. It's 33, 33-3 Bills. Okay, right? put it on a whiteboard. Yeah, put it on the whiteboard. Um, um, yeah, that's uh, – and I know the, the, the league gets criticized up and down because it's so big and so prevalent and so much happens to it. And But um, I – I got to say, this is one of the times where they, I feel like they handled it really well. Um, I know it's, it's our team, and we talk about them all the time, and we cover them, but the league has has jumped on board with it, and I think they did it's the right thing to do. So I'm, you know, I'm proud of not only proud of the team like Brandon Bean, but also a little bit of the NFL for jumping through hoops on a very quick notice. And this league, we all take it for granted. It's a behemoth. And to get anything done fast is really hard. Speaking of getting things done fast, the AFC playoff seedings with an amended procedure was approved. How close was the vote? We will tell you when we come back. We have to take a break here, but plenty more coming your way here on One Bills Live, including some comments from players today after practice, new players, not the ones we heard from last night to give us their feelings on what happened in that meeting room this morning when all of a sudden DeMar Hamlin's up on the screen flexing on him. And we also have Greg Cosell in hour number two to kind of dice up the X's and O's on this Bills-Patriots meeting number two to close out the regular season. It's all coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Friday. And in addition to all the positive news on DeMar Hamlin that continues to stream in, much to everyone's delight, there is also league news concerning the AFC playoff seedings. The league had to vote today on the proposal put forth by Commissioner Roger Goodell last night after he announced that the Week 17 game between the Bills and the Bengals will be determined a no contest. It was canceled outright. It wasn't declared a tie or anything. It basically doesn't exist anymore. So with that in mind, we know the Bills and the Bengals will be playing one less game than the rest of the conference and the rest of the league for that matter. So Commissioner Goodell informed all clubs of that decision yesterday and then put forth a proposal of amended playoff seeding outcomes for the teams in contention for the seven playoff seeds. Now, what I think prompted this was the fact that the Bills-Bengals game had no bearing on, on the teams that were qualifying for the playoffs. Whether the Bills or Bengals won that game wouldn't eliminate anybody from playoff contention and wouldn't bring anybody into playoff contention. So that's why they scrapped the game. Then the resulting inequities from the fewer number of games being played had to be addressed. 
And essentially, this was voted on today and approved by NFL ownership. They needed 24 of the 32 owners to vote yes for it. They got 25 yes votes. Three or four of the teams, it's being reported, voted no, and the rest abstained from voting altogether. So they got the required number of votes to put this adjusted playoff plan into action. And it basically comes into play only in four different scenarios. Of all, So in total, regarding Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati, there are a total of eight possible scenarios based on how each of these three teams fares this weekend. And there are four total scenarios where a neutral site would need to be put into place for an AFC championship game. Yeah, it'll, it'll make your head hurt to think about it. Um, but what it says, and, and uh, Tom Hollander, our guy out there, just put, ESPN put it like this. If Buffalo or Cincinnati make it to the AFC championship game as the road team, that game will be at a neutral site. That's what their thought was in making the rules like this. If they're on the road in the AFC Championship, that game's going to be at a neutral site. And the reason that was determined is because in the absence of last week's game, what was taken away from both Buffalo and from Cincinnati was the chance to secure the number one playoff seed. Cincinnati can't get it no matter what now. Buffalo actually still has a chance to get it if they win and Kansas City loses this weekend. Right. But what was taken away from, from Cincinnati obviously was even the remote chance, remote as it was, to get the number one seed. What Buffalo lost was control of their own destiny by the absence of that game. Can they still get the number one seed? Yes, but they need help now to get it. Prior to the elimination of that game, they had control of their own destiny and did not need any help. So everybody has lost something. Even the Ravens have lost the ability to win the AFC North with the elimination of the, of the game because even if the Ravens can beat the Bengals this week, uh, they cannot beat them out for the division on and, yeah. percentage, winning percentage. That even means that Baltimore, who swept Cincinnati, in this well, if, yeah, season. if they win this weekend, yeah, they will if they have swept win, them. And they still won't win the division. Um, yeah, so – and you knew this going in. It's not, it's not fair for everybody. Kansas City, if they face Buffalo or Cincinnati at home in the AFC Championship game, it's going on the road for Kansas City. It's going to be at a neutral site. So Kansas City won't get a chance to host the AFC Championship game unless they get it against somebody – unless they get it against the four, five, six, or seven seed. Well, it won't be the seventh seed. <clears throat> yeah. So Whoever it is. So Yeah, I mean, you're looking far down the road. There's a strong likelihood that the coin, you know, the neutral site uh, amendment may not even be exercised. Like, Cincinnati has one, you know, they get to the championship game. There's only one scenario in which a neutral site would be involved for them, and that's if Cincinnati secures the two seed by virtue of Buffalo losing this weekend. In that case, they would get the two-seed and leapfrog Buffalo 
And if they have to face Kansas City in the AFC title game, they would get a neutral site. Otherwise, under most of the other scenarios, they would go to Kansas City. Um, but there are up to four different scenarios where Buffalo factors in and there could be a neutral site AFC title game. But that's a couple of rounds down the road. I mean, you're assuming an awful yeah. lot in all of those teams getting there. So I know Cincinnati is not happy with this. They got a right not to be. They got a right to be unhappy. Well, and the reason they're chiefly unhappy is they're not even guaranteed a home playoff game under this scenario. And the reason I say that is because even if they win on Sunday and secure the division, I believe that is still going to the coin flip. Did I read that correctly? I think I did. Um, if they play in the wild card game. Right. Told. Right. Right, and they don't secure the top. Yeah, they can't get the top seed. So they're playing wild card round no matter what. They'll do it as a division winner if they win. Um, but, yeah, they're essentially saying if Baltimore defeats Cincinnati in week 18, it will have defeated Cincinnati, a divisional opponent, twice, but they will not be able to host a playoff game because Cincinnati will have a higher winning percentage for a 16-game schedule than Baltimore for a 17-game schedule. So right. because of that situation, um, they would put that to a coin flip. Um, and that's what's going to happen. That's why Cincinnati is really hot, because even if they have a better winning percentage and lose to Baltimore and win the division, they're still going to have a coin flip as to whether they play a home playoff game or not. That's why they're mad. They, yeah, and they've been. And, and, uh, we're, and we're voting against it. Yeah, Zach Taylor actually said, too, their team has been fined for, and I don't know what, it, what he's referring to, they've been fined this year because of the, the wording of the rules in the rule book. And he says, well, if you're going to fine us for the, for the technicalities in the rule book, why don't we follow the rule book in this case, too, when it actually matters on the field? Yeah. Um, so they've got and, – and you knew they – yeah, they got a beef. They've got a beef. Um, so does – and even so, – so does Kansas City, if, if indeed it comes to that down the road. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen before, before they, they'll go like, seriously. But – um, you knew it was going to – this game being taken off the boards was going to cause some problems. And the league's doing their best to fix it in the most equitable way they can because of what teams lost, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and what it means for other teams, Kansas City and Baltimore in this case. It's – yeah, it's, it's – I think you the knew thing, it was going to happen. The thing that chaps me the most is the team that comes out with the most benefit here the Kansas City Chiefs, because they were chasing Buffalo this whole time. Now they're the team that controls their right. own destiny. All they have to do is win this week, and they have the number one seed. Now, they do lose the possibility of hosting the AFC title game, provided Buffalo or Cincinnati are the road team in the AFC title game matchup. Beyond that, they lose nothing else, including the bye. we got to take a break here, because when we come back, Deion Dawkins addressing the media after today's practice. We'll get his thoughts on that surprise visit from DeMar Hamlin via FaceTime at this morning's team meeting next here on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Friday. We want to turn to the post-practice podium where Deion Dawkins is addressing the media. Man, we got our boy, man. You know what I'm saying? That's all that matters. We got our boy. The excitement was beautiful. It was amazing. Uh, it has given us so much energy, so much, you know, bright, high spirits, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it has given it to us uh, to see that boy's face to uh, see him smile, see him go like this in the camera. It was, it was, it was everything. So, uh, and then to hear him talk to us, uh, it was, it was literally everything. And uh, that's what we needed. Literally, that's all we needed. And it was done. Can you give us a sense of, of truly uh, almost the, the switching of the vibe and the feel with amongst you guys on the team from the uncertainty of certainly Monday and Tuesday to the update Wednesday, yesterday, and now today, just, just how drastic of a change your emotions and the feelings have been in that building. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster, but um, it's a roller coaster that has never been ridden. So uh, it took us up, you know, it kind of went down and then it took us back up. So uh, it's, it was a, it was a unique experience. It still is like it's far from over. So, um, but the good thing about it is it's a positive energy right now for whatever roller coaster you want to call it. Uh, we're on a positive ride. And right now where um, we got to see our guy and uh, we got to see three smile. And that's literally all we wanted, you know, like he's here with us and that's all that, that we can ask for is that he's uh, taking steps forward. So uh, it's still very emotional for a lot of guys, and uh, we're, we're happy. We're blessed and uh, extremely thankful, you know, like all of the guys that, that have been working on him and, and taking care of him and all of the love and the prayers, uh, it's been working. So uh, it doesn't mean stop now. It means go even harder. So uh, we just got to keep pushing, keep prayer, keep that love, and uh, everything seems to work well when everybody is on the same page. So... Uh, let's keep working together from every part of this country and, uh, and, and, and get this man back to a hundred percent. Hey, Dion. Um, yep. how, hey, hey, how has it been to watch the entire nation and their outpouring support for DeMar, for your yeah. team, for you guys? What has that been yeah. like to, to watch happen over the last yeah days from from support to prayers to that yeah. GoFundMe even going well over seven million dollars it's super lit maddie it is lit if that's the word that we could describe it it is lit it is a beautiful litiation uh it is amazing that people choose to do something and they get it done you know uh everybody took their like hats off with oh this is not our team this is their team da, 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 da. just let them do it and everybody just came together and uh it is a beautiful full sight you know, chasing M's is is more so like chasing billions now. So, 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 so it is a beautiful thing. Uh, and it's amazing that he can, you know, be aware and see what's going on in his life because it's a, it's a drastic change and uh, it's a drastic, it's a drastic change. And, you know, like with his story and everything that's, that's going to keep coming with what has happened, uh, he's changed so many lives. And he's opened up so many eyes of people to really just understand that 
in a split second, life can be this or it can can be that. So hopefully people are walking with just a little bit more positive steps in their life because, you know, um, it's a it's a it's a special thing to to have. And uh, we're all blessed to, to be like honest, honest calls. So let's uh, let's keep those high faiths and, and those high spirits and let's uh, and let's keep God first. Dion, how close is this team after what you guys have gone oh, yeah. through? Well, if the team wasn't closer, uh, if if the team wasn't close and before Maddie, um, this just put the cherry on the top in a positive way. Um, it has definitely just made it a permanent glue, which you know was there, but it just kind of just melted it down just a little bit more. But we were already uh, extremely close group, but. With something like this, like happening, it it like it just takes it, you know, to uh, uh, unexplainable place, honestly. And then last one for me, we talked to Brandon Bean earlier this morning, and he said that he had been in Cincinnati for a couple of days yeah. with Demar and his family, and chose to stay back. What can you say about what type of leader your general manager is Man. to to kind of say, you know, I don't need to be in Buffalo, I I can be in Cincinnati, and that's where I need to be. Like, I just think that that is a testament of our entire building because um, if we all could have stayed, we, we, we would have stayed. So I think Brandon took that an initiative to carry everybody on his back of us being present there. You know, like Tabani Richards, Richardson uh, and was there, Nate and was there as well. And uh, our guys, you know, like it's a brotherhood, it's a family. And, uh, I definitely tip my hat to every person that has stayed back and uh, not to say that that is a lot, but it's just saying that it's more than football. It's more than just saying, all right, the medical staff ha has it, let them do it. You know, like that's like that extra bit of why Buffalo is so special. So honestly, now when, when uh, like, I, I think of it more, right. So like, like now, and when people are like, why Buffalo? Why in Buffalo? Tuh, this is that reason why. If this doesn't answer that question, then you really don't know the true meaning of love because, you know, Brandon Bean and Nate and Tabani has, has all shown it. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful to have a GM and I'm thankful to, to be in an organization like this because there's so many guys in this building that pour love out every single day. And to see the, like one of the, of our top peers, you know, use it and show the example of love. Like it's everything. It truly is. Thank you, Dion. Yeah, for sure, Maddie. Hey Dion, Mike Giardi, NFL Network. How are you? What up, Marty? From the car. <laughs> it's Mike, but it's all right. All Marty right, Mike from the car. <laughs> hey, I, what I wanted to ask you, you put Denny, you made him trend on Twitter. Okay. When you tweet out. And I know it was a horrifying scene of what happened, but can you just speak to the job that they did to, as you said, just, yeah. you got your boy. Yeah, Mike. So, so truly, um, if you think about the actual work that goes into doing that procedure, you know, it is extremely hard to consistently do something over and over and over and over and over until it changes. Like it could be two minutes, it could be three minutes, it could be 30 seconds, it could be 10 seconds, however long it is. Like that's almost like running a con con like a, a conditioning test. So when I see it li like that, I see it for 
the physical amount and the mental amount of strength that it took Denny to continue to do it and do it and do it and not say I'm tired and somebody else switch or or all of those other things that I don't know that the medical staff has to learn to, you know, attempt and perform. But um, it's it's amazing. Like like there's there's like that just shows right and 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 I'm so different like like in my mind. But but it's like it just shows that there's so many different teams all in one, and that's what makes this this organization so special, right? Like we have the football team, we have the quarterback room that is in its own entity. We have the O-line that's in its own, like, like, like that, that's in its whole, the strength staff, the management, the, the, the priests, the, 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 the doctors, the head trainers, the, the young trainers. And with Denny and his crew doing that, it just showed that they were ready for that moment. They were ready when their number and was called. And we preach this every day. Uh, do your one 11th and coach preaches this and McDermott preaches this. And uh, Denny for sure took his one 11th and scored that touchdown. And he scored that winning touchdown for our guy, for his life. And it is, it can never fully be, you know, uh, what is, is like, like is the word, like it can never be fully re, repaid because that's a unpriceable act you know what I'm saying so it's 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 a beautiful thing it truly is and if you can't see I am so excited I'm so thankful and uh it is it is true it really is all right that's Deion Dawkins addressing the media and if his if his emotions are a barometer for that locker room uh I think they're good going into this one <laughs> yeah I don't think they're having a tar- hard time uh finding the joy in their work anymore so um it's good to see and he you know you just you could just tell the elation on his face right when we started the the sound bite there went from him so good for them and i'm i'm happy that that relief has come and uh, yeah it's good definitely good good. they'll be playing inspired football on sunday for sure we have to take a break here because when we come back we'll talk about that game between the bills and patriots with our resident x's and o's guru NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell coming your way next here on One Bills Live presented by Kalina Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Here we are, hour number two on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and we know what that means. It's time to bring in senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show, the one and only Greg Cosell, whose weekly segment is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Greg, how you doing? Well, I'm sure just like you guys, a whole lot better now. Yeah, right. Great yeah. news on yeah, DeMar. Yeah, it really is. It, it is great news for us here. And uh, and we were talking just before we came on how proud we are of the organization, how they handled it. Uh, 
And I think also for me, and I know they always get criticism, but the league at large handling it the way they did and, and yeah. in subsequent days and hours. Uh, so I thought they were surprisingly empathetic. So, um, yes. And now this week, now that DeMar is doing very well, it's, it seems uh, warranted. We're happy we all did it. So uh, happy they did it that way. So I'm, I'm, I'm no, I don't miss the Bengals-Bills game like I thought I might at one point. Uh, it didn't seem quite as important, you know. It certainly didn't. It certainly no. didn't. All right, so let, let's try to shift gears here, Greg, and go to the game at hand. Uh, certainly yeah. we'll have a very inspired Bills team taking the field on Sunday against the Patriots. If there's one thing about the Patriots that is darn impressive, it is their eight non-offensive touchdowns, seven on the defensive side of the ball, including one again last week. Kyle Duggar, who had the 39-yard interception return, now has three defensive touchdowns for his team this season. I I know you watch all the film. How much have they just been anticipatory in nature? Obviously, sometimes you get passes bouncing off the hands of receivers and into the waiting arms of a defensive player, um, some of these, though, seem to be good anticipatory skills by this New England defense. Yeah, I mean, I think those are plays you have to look at, Brownie, as individual plays. I mean, that particular play was a disguised coverage with a late movement, a late rotation, and uh, it ended up Duggar was on the line of scrimmage to start, and it ended up being cover two. He ended up being the middle hole defender in cover two, and clearly Teddy Bridgewater did not process the coverage. So plays like that, and, and and certainly a team does not do that every season. So that's why you kind of have to look at it as individual plays and see why they occur. You know, some some occur on tips. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's no answer as far as I'm concerned to that. You know, don't forget, as you guys know, and you're not forgetting, these teams played week 13. And right. Buffalo just controlled, excuse, uh, yeah, Buffalo controlled the game. They ran 45 plays in the first half. Overall, they ran over 70. They had the ball for 38 minutes. They kind of lined up in that game, which does not usually happen against a New England team, and said, we're physically better than you are on that side of the ball, and here we are, and you have to stop us, and they couldn't stop them. And that rarely happens against the New England defense. And you talk about this. The New England defense, statistically, you look at the rankings and the way they're as good as the Bills defense, statistically. I mean, they they right. they right a little different in the points allowed at the bottom line. And third down efficiency, they're not quite as good as the Bills. But in every other category, they are at or just a hair better or right there with the Buffalo Bills statistically. Offensively, when you look at these two teams, big difference. Bills are much better, yes. much more efficient offensively. And I think the key matchup looks like it's going to be Bills offense, Patriot defense, how that looks. And you said the Bills looked like they kind of just controlled the game. And I remember thinking the they Bills did. the Bills kind of just strangled the Patriots at the last second half and, of that game. And they also had a touchdown called back, as you recall, I'm sure, yeah. with one of the Josh Allen plays when Sweeney was called for holding, one of those special Josh plays right. that was, I think, 40-plus yards. Right. Um, but, you know, and that was the game, as you may recall, where they really whipped out the pony package. There were 13 snaps of the pony package in that game, and they haven't really used it to that degree since. And it was really effective and successful in that game against New England. Now, again, normally you don't do the same thing against the same opponent, you know, 
twice, especially in such a short period of time. It's not as if that game was week two or week three, but you never know. I mean, it's, you know, I, I imagine none of us have a real feel for given the week, what Buffalo is going to do in this game, but you know, they had 13 snaps with both Hines um, with Hines and cook play 12 snaps with the pony and Hines and Singleton one snap and cook had some really good runs out of the pony package in that game. They ran the ball well. Um, so we'll see what their approach is. Um, you know, the longest pass play in that game was 21 yards to Hines. And I think that happened on the first or second possession on a kind of a second reaction movement throw by Josh. So that was not really a big passing game. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure the Bills want to play that way. Generally, I think they're built a little more to sort of push the ball down the field at times and create some big plays offensively. But that game, look, they had a 15 play 96 yard drive from the third quarter into the fourth quarter. That usually doesn't happen against New England. Right. Uh, what do you make of New England's defensive front? Because in the first meeting, um, Barmore was a still on injured reserve. He's back yeah. now. How much of an impact can he make in terms of changing the battle at the line of scrimmage, do you think? Well, he's got a lot of talent. I mean, he's a big kid. He's long. He's athletic. Um, you know, that's hard to know exactly how he'll impact the game, but he's he adds a good player to the mix, Brownie. So in an ideal world, you look at and you say they'll be better in this game. You know, I guess my overall thought before we switch sides of the ball here is that I would be surprised if the game played out the same way. You know, I think that which doesn't mean Buffalo can't win the game. You know, that's not my point at all. But I don't think it will be the same kind of game offensively. I think the Bills are going to need some big plays in the pass game. And I don't know if they'll control the ball quite the way they did. That 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 to me had a little bit of an aberration feel to it. That's an impressive feel to it, but not the way it, you know, I would think it would play out a second time. But that's kind of the way the Patriots like to play, though. They don't think you can go 15 plays. And end Correct. up with a touchdown. They want. They kept the lid on the big plays. I mean, that's kind of the way they played yeah. the Bills, like the Bills play the the Chiefs, right, or the Dolphins. Right, they right. keep a lid on the, you know, make you go the long way, take the dink and dunk, and may, hope you get frustrated or just make a mistake. And that's kind of what it seemed like they were trying to do to the Bills. And I think that's one area where Josh Allen has really improved, Steve. I mean, there are times where I see him drop back and I can tell immediately by the coverage, the way they retreat, given the route concepts and combinations that he knows he's not going to have a route down the field and he throws it immediately to the running back and he gets nine, 10, 12 yards. And those are good plays. They don't seem like much in the course of a game, as you know, because everybody's focused on explosives, but those are really positive plays and why, you know, don't sit back in the pocket and wait for something that you know is not going to be there. Greg, the biggest probably dichotomy between these two teams is how good Buffalo's red zone defense has been of late and how awful New England's red zone offense has been. They are last in the uh, league in red zone touchdown efficiency. Is there a singular theme running through this season for the Patriots offensive execution in the red zone that stands out to well, you? Let me expand that Brownie and talk overall about their offensive execution overall it's been problematic um what has surprised me tremendously and i know there's a lot of talk in new england and maybe you know throughout the media about uh you know who's coaching the offense in new england and you know all that I, you know i don't get into that because i'm not in the meeting rooms 
But one thing that's really surprised me watching their tape every single week is the number of basic route concepts and reads that Mac Jones has missed. I'm talking about basic stuff. You know, like if you call curl flat or slant flat to the boundary and you have to read the underneath defender, he's just throwing to the wrong guys. And then I'm really surprised by that. That is not a function of Matt Patricia. That's in, that's day one, day two install stuff. And now I'm not saying he does that all the time. He has very good moments as well. But this offense with Mac Jones has missed a lot of things. And they have not been able to compensate for it with a consistent week-to-week run game. That you know, And I think they felt going into this season that they'd have a bit of a two-headed monster in Stevenson and Harris and a really good run game that they could hang their hat on every week, that that would be an identity thing. And it hasn't been there. I know Stevenson may get a 1,000 yards, but, you know, we play 17 games now, so a 1,000 yards isn't automatically a sign that you've had a great year. Um, But they just, Brownie, they have not been very good offensively at all. They don't hit explosives very often. They don't run the ball particularly well. They don't sustain offense very well. It's, quite frankly, at times been a hard offense to watch. Yeah, and we've we've seen other um, media outlets. I mean, they're criticizing, and they say the same thing you do. They'll point out instances where the offensive line doesn't get a hat on a hat. Uh, right. Yeah, that where they you know, the receivers you end up with three receivers banging into each other, or running the same concept, and all of a sudden they're all three within three yards of each other, or two guys. Right. Are, right. Um, that to me reeks of coaching. Um, okay. And maybe it is. I, I'm not going to, like I said, I, I know how hard I work, Steve, watching tape. So I know how hard coaches work. Right. And I've always been in my career very leery of, of you know, ripping coaches, which is easy to do. Uh, and not you. I'm not talking about you personally. You played the game, so you know. But I, I just, you know, I, I'm never comfortable doing that because I always feel that you have to be there and be through the process to understand. Is it the coach? Is it the players? Because, you know, Steve, coaches coach, but once you step between the lines, the players play. So you could argue coaches have a lot of power, but they have no control because you guys play. Uh, you know, I mean, how many times I, I know I've seen it here at films because we wire coaches and all that, you know, up in the press box, how mad they get because the, the players are not doing what clearly they're supposed to be doing. Right. So, you know, I don't know where that balance lies. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. It's not rocket science, but if you've got guys doing the wrong thing, it's because they haven't been taught to do the right thing. Um, certainly they can get beat physically, and right, certainly right. there could be some a culture. Uh, I, I'm trying to you know jump through mental hoops here a little bit because there might sure. be a culture of a, uh, that has been pervasive in New England where they expect players to do certain things to get ready. And that culture may have shifted with Josh McDaniels exiting. Now you've got players who – don't know they're supposed to do that themselves. They're supposed to learn something on them, their own. Uh, a lot of coaches say, hey, listen, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. Some guys say, listen, you should know, you know, do this in this way. And the player does it the wrong way or the way that didn't, right. you know, and, with and, the wrong technique. And, I, and I've had these conversations with coaches over the years, and I think you would agree. You know, just because, let's say, you are a defensive coach, and, and you have been your whole life or vice versa, doesn't mean you know the other side of the ball. You know, right. you know the other side of the ball in a very general way. You know, I mean, everybody can go up on the board, defense, offense, and draw route combinations. That, that, that's, that doesn't mean you know how to coach a particular side of the ball. 
you know, right. and, and offensive coaches, guys who've been doing it ever since they got into coaching for 15, 20, 25, 30 years, you know, they're offensive coaches. If you've been an offensive coach and all of a sudden they tell you, hey, go and be the linebacker coach, you know, you got to learn how to do that. You don't just know that, you know, just because you might know how linebackers are supposed to react and cover three, that doesn't make you a linebackers coach. Right. Greg, another player who missed the first meeting between the Bills and Patriots was Damian Harris. Um, yep. He has historically been a Bills killer in three games yeah. against the Bills, 44 carries, 316 yards, an average of 7.2 per rush, and five touchdowns. How yeah. might he be able to diversify the Patriots' run game, yeah. knowing he's got a little more juice than Ramondre Stevenson? I was just going to say that, Brownie. You 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 took the words right out of my mouth. He's definitely got a more explosion and more juice than Stevenson. Um, and he's just unfortunately been injured through much of his career. But he's a guy that when he hits the hole, he can get through a hole and can find space. And then he's got a reacceleration element that I don't quite think Stevenson has. Stevenson's a bigger back and maybe a more physical back. But... I think that Harris has that reacceleration trait, which is so important. Um, and we've seen him do that. We saw him do that last year in that cold weather game. I remember, um, I guess it was two years ago where he scored maybe a 25 yard touchdown or so against Buffalo. And he, you saw the juice. He can add a lot, you know, assuming they can get it all blocked up because that's been another issue. Their old line has not been, I think what they hoped it would be when the season started. All right, we're a little bit of a loss today than we usually are because we don't have a Bills game to review right? and to see right. where they have if maybe it's, you know steadily evolved to. But you go back, what do you expect? You said this game might look a little different than the Bills running 45 plays in one half. Now, what – Yeah. Uh, still, this is a game that is going to be really emotionally charged. Sure. But X's and O's wise and maybe tactically wise – What's your best guess about how this game plays out and what the Patriots might want the Bills to do or try to force the Bills to do offensively and defensively? Well, I think you did hit it on the head earlier in the conversation, Steve. You know, Belichick is – he does not want to give up explosives. No coach does, but right. Belichick certainly. So the question becomes now, is he going to have bracket concepts versus digs? Because the reality is that there hasn't really been on a week to week basis. It's occurred at times a week to week basis. There hasn't been that second receiver that you say, wow, we know we, we can count on him. You know, even though it didn't work out in the first meeting, I think his approach, his approach tactically would be similar. Let's see if the Bills can go 15 plays in 96 yards. You know, let's see how that plays out, you know, and, and the emotion part. None of us can answer that because we don't know. But, you know, the Bills the Bills have been the best team in the NFL on third down. Um, they're close to 50%. They're number one in the league. In the first matchup, they were nine for 15 on third down conversions. They were three for three in the red zone scoring touchdowns. That was critical. You know, I, I think third down is really, really important. And this is going to be really important in this game. And Belichick, to me, just based on track record, He'll do something different on third down than he showed the Bills in the week 13 game. And then it'll be up to Josh and the receivers to be able to work through that in the you know brief time you get once the ball snapped. Uh, so 
but I think overall he's he's going to think in terms of, hey, we're going to try to make them go 13, 14, 15 plays to score. Right. Greg, I know we addressed this prior to the first meeting between the Bills and the Patriots, but the New England defensive staff has very effectively used Josh Uche as a situational pass rusher, yes. as a bookend yep. to Judon. I mean, this is a team that's now second in the league in sacks with 52. And yes. Uche, even though he's a situational guy, he's up to 11 and a half sacks this season. I know. Can you just maybe spell out the way in which they're deploying those two in pass rush situations? Well, I'd say they're predominantly edge players, but not exclusively. And don't forget, in the first matchup, Deion Dawkins did not play. So he will play in this game because Quisenberry, as I recall, played left tackle Correct. in the first matchup. And, you know, obviously Dawkins is a better player. So, you know, but one thing about Belichick, he can be very, very multiple with his front looks given the down and distance situations and very multiple with his pressure concepts, which doesn't mean he's going to blitz a ton and rush five or six, although he can do that. But, you know, I think Uche and Judon both are guys you can – use as what we call jokers they can line up in different spots within the front six seven whatever the situation is and rush from you know different angles and you have to be prepared for that you know Uche is very good off the edge because he's shown both speed to power and he's shown the ability to to win you know on the high side clearing the arc and Judon's just a really really good player you know overall right. I mean he's good against the run he's he's a good pass rusher so you know, you can't let these guys disrupt your passing game, especially when you get to third down, and there will be third downs. So, look, there were 15 of them in the first game. So there's going to be third downs, and you cannot let the pass rush disrupt um, your, your offense. Give us an idea of what you th- how you think they'll handle Josh. I mean, I know they won't just spy him the whole game. They won't right. uh, rush three. There, and there'll be multiple, as you can say. But what about overall – who has had and what kind of strategy has been the most effective against Josh Allen, in your opinion? Well, they, they did spy him a bit in that first matchup. They used Bentley at times. I, I'm sure they'll do similar things depending on down and distance, Steve. Um, you know, I think the, the, the big thing, and, and look, we've seen the Bills have success doing this in various times with Josh being patient. But I think when all said and done, that's the approach you have to take. You do not want to give up big plays. It's as simple as that. You you can't do that. Um, so they'll do that, and they'll see if if they can pr- make them have to go distance. Um, I'm curious to see what the Bills' approach is, Steve. That's the other factor. You know, will they come out and try to be aggressive throwing the football? Will they feel given the, the last game they played was was that the Bears game? The, what was the last uh, the game? Last game, game was the last was, game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny how you lose track of that. Um, no, you know, the Patriots just um, just got through with the dog. Is that what you're talking about? No, he's talking about the last No, there's the last game. Bills game. Yeah, the Bears game, yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously Sorry. the Bears do not have a good run defense, and that was a really strong rushing performance by uh, by the Bills. They had a very diverse run game, delayed draw, same side power. They ran a lot of different concepts. They were very successful. You know, the, And obviously the weather was a factor in that game as well. So that was not a game to really come and toss it all over the yard. Um, you know, I, the weather, from what I gather, is not going to be an issue this week at all. So, um, you know, what will the Bills' approach be? Will the Bills' approach be, hey, 
let's try to score early, get ahead, and make them have to throw and then let our pass rush work against an O-line that has not really been that effective protecting the quarterback. So, I'm, you know, I'm very curious to see how the Bills come out because the, the Patriots, to me, if you get ahead 14-0, 17-3, I'm not sure they're built right now to really play that way. Yeah, I would, yeah, I think you're right. Greg, thanks right. as always thanks, for Greg. the insight. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll catch up with you next week. It's playoff time. Uh, yes, it is. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. All Appreciate right, that's you. Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films and also co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. Uh, we do want to pass along some news that the team did just announce, and it concerns our good friend and colleague, and voice of the Bills, John Murphy. As you know, he was unable to do last week's game, and uh, basically his family has put out a statement that was released through the Bills organization. It reads as follows. John Murphy suffered a stroke last weekend. He is recovering at home with his family and making progress every day. John and the Murphy family are grateful for the excellent care by the staff and doctors at Buffalo General Medical Center. We appreciate everyone's support and obviously all of us here at one bills live a show that he used to host uh certainly know john and wish john all the best in his recovery and it's good to hear that he is making progress every day so keep up the good fight murph uh we're pulling for you here on this end of things um i guess once again (laughs) the bills community is going to have to rally together and Send out prayers and thoughts. Uh, We spent an awful lot of time this week doing that on DeMar's behalf and continue to do that. We're going to have to add John Murphy to our prayer list uh, this week for sure. Yeah, rough week. So we will do that, and we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the Bills legend of the game. We'll tell you who that is. After this commercial break, here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Pleased to be joined now by a man that you will recognize immediately. He's also this week's legend of the game when the Bills host the Patriots. Legend of the game is presented by the BFLO Store, the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. And this week, it is none other than the man who wore 25, LaShawn McCoy, joining us here on the line. Shady, good to have you. How you been, man? You're all over the place. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm um. I'm, I'm the same old guy. Just having fun with it. I just got into the media space, so it's been fun. It's been fun. How you guys doing? I haven't seen you guys in so long. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's it's getting it's, it started out pretty rough this week, but now it's a lot, lot better. Uh, now that we got the good news about Demar Hamlin and uh, with the final Week 18 game coming up, we're kind of finally feel like we can think about the Patriots coming to town on Sunday. And now we find out today you're coming to town too. That's going to be awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I, I can't wait. <clears throat> Demar is a pit brother of mine, and uh, yeah. you know that pit brotherhood. And um, when that, when he went down, you know I instantly, um, you know, was worried. And uh, hearing this good news, you know, it's cool because like I've been checking up a lot of my bills, uh, ex teammates and friends, and you guys know I have a lot of them. So right. I've been calling each see um, any new news because I'm sure the first people that will find out 
will obviously be um, DeMar's family, and the second would be the Bills. And um, let's hear all this improvement. I'm so excited, man. It's, it just shows you the type of character he really has. You know, um, when he was conscious, the first thing he said was, did we win the game? That just shows you the love of the game, the love of your teammates. Um, hearing that brought me well, tears of joy. So I'm happy everything is doing well for him. Yeah, so Shady, you know, you know that Sean is good about building a brotherhood in that locker room. And that bond, that bond that this team clearly has is what made what happened on Monday night so jarring for the players in that locker room. I don't know if you can lend a player perspective to this, but when you get that good news, just the ability to not forget about DeMar, but at least shift your focus to getting ready for a football game. Now, it's that much easier when you see he's doing all right, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the, the simple things that people don't even, like, recognize. Like, we take that for granted when guys are, get carted off the field and they give you the thumbs up, right? Or they show you, um, you know, some motion, you know, that they're, that they're, that they're still conscious. Um, you know, and as players, we look forward to seeing that. Because now when our guys leave, we're like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Okay, he's good. Okay, he'll be all right. right. He gives a sign. He's good. Um, but when you don't get that, that insurance, um, you're always wondering and worrying. And and I was a, 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 a worrying wreck. I'm sure a lot of his teammates were a worrying wreck. You know, and, uh, and a guy like Sean McDermott, man, I, I'll tell you what about him. I've been telling people on TV, and I've been telling people just friends and guys around the NFL, Sean McDermott, when I got to Buffalo, he changed the whole culture. Not just in the locker room, but in the whole building. Um, when you have a coach like that that puts the players first, that, that, that sets a, a goal that's reachable, you know, and he has everybody on the, in, in the facility believing. That's a real brotherhood. And, and Sean Durham's the type of guy where he wasn't going to play that game. You know, what his players witnessed, what his players were going through, we need to focus on DeMar. And that's what he did. And a lot of guys in the locker room, man, the best person to handle that job in the situation is Sean McDermott. One of the things about this this regime with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott has been that all of a sudden, a, a town like Buffalo, who in in decades past has been an afterthought for free agents and a, and a likely landing spot for guys who were picking a spot. Now you got Von Miller showing up. Now you got guys who were here before, went away, got a big contract, and wanted to come back. Explain why that happens because of an atmosphere or, you know, facility. Tell us why you think that has changed so much under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and, and this ownership. Well, I'll tell you this much. It's the winning. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but <laughs> right. just, it, it's that brotherhood. It's everything you talk about. Players want to play for coaches that believe in them, that are fair, honest. Um, you, you know, like Avon Miller, he could have went anywhere. Right, he could have got a, a, a big contract anywhere. Probably could have went to Miami and saved more money, but he, he's seen the culture. He see what they're building, right? One thing about a, a organization, they have to do the right things, right? Like draft well, they they draft well, right? Look at Josh Allen. Everybody was so worried. Oh, is he is he the right fit? He's from Wyoming, and then the, the coach have to do a good job of not just drafting well but developing. And then when you develop talent like that, players want to be a part of it. Buffalo is a special place. When I got there, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how special it really was until I got in the locker room, until I see the communities, until I see the atmosphere. So I got to a game day, and people love that. They, they see on TV when they play in the Bills how the, some fans are getting crazy, jumping through tables, tailgating all night, all day. So players want to play for that. 
it's the atmosphere, it's Buffalo, and it's the coaching. So, Shady, as emotionally draining as this week may have been for the players, how much, knowing DeMar's situation is better now, can they now use what happened as a galvanizing force and inspiration to kind of do it for DeMar on Sunday, if you will? To be honest, I, I think so. I, I thought at first, um, with, with not hearing, um, you know, how the, the improvement was coming along, right? It, it's hard to go out there not knowing the situation or the condition of your brother, right? And then leaving the game how he left the game. But now, oh, man, they have all the motivation, right? Because uh, I was reading things that his dad was saying, DeMar's dad, and this is what DeMar wants. He wants the guys to go out there and compete play for him and I think now that he's uh you know vocal uh he's reached out to the team right he's up he's breathing by himself you know he's making tremendous steps um improvement yeah I think the guys would be riled up oh man and I'm sure once they win this game they can't wait to call him FaceTime and make a video for him as a group as a family um and and, and I think that this will make him happy right because this is what he wants right. to see so yeah I think this game man it's going to get scary for the, uh, the Patriots. Yeah, last, Belichick, watch out. You know, one of, yeah, right. <laughs> La- last one for me, LaShawn, you know, moving forward, that game didn't happen. The league's not going to make the game up. There's a hole in the schedule where the Bengals-Bills game should have been. They're going up. They're talking about down the road, might be a coin flip, neutral site playoff games. Uh, all of this stuff about, you know, what might or could or should happen, we don't know yet because they're going to vote on it. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on – what happens to the playoff seed? What the you know all of that stuff? It, it's kind of weird, and we've never been in this spot before. But it's kind of fun watching, watching the you know the machine move a little bit, right? Yeah, it reminds me of Friday Night Lights. Remember we had to make the playoffs <laughs> and had to flip the court. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, it's interesting because we've never been in this situation. We've never seen this, right? We've never seen that type of hit um, or that type of injury, I should say. And then we've never seen like they just cancel a game out. Let's think about it for a second. Even with the COVID right times, they managed to make every game. If it was a Tuesday or Wednesday, if it was Saturday, they made sure they played all the games. So uh, it's different, right? And um, knowing a guy like Andy Reid playing for him, he's so calculated. So he, he really wants to figure this thing out. You know, then you got the Bengals. They're playing good ball this year. And then Sean McDermott is another guy that's calculated. So it's going to be interesting. Everybody wants that home foot advantage. I just think about Nobody wants to play in Kansas City around this time, but listen, nobody wants to play in Buffalo. So I think that the, the, I guess the fair thing to do is the coin flip or maybe a neutral site for, for all the teams. So we'll see what happens. Last one, Shady. Uh, I don't have to tell you how much emotion is going to be packed into the stands on Sunday, especially with all that the community and the team had to deal with this week with DeMar's situation. You're not going to have to do a whole lot to get this group amped up, but knowing all the added emotion that got packed into this week, what are you expecting right before you hop on the mic and do your thing on Sunday? Oh, man. I mean, it's going to be live, right? Buffalo's <laughs> going to rock it. I can't wait. It makes me want to just ask Devin Singletary, listen, let me get two reps, right? Let me just get two reps. We'll go there and play a little bit. But I'm just, I'm just excited. Excited to be back in the house. Excited to see my, fa- my, my friends and family. Um, and teammates, right? I call my, my family my teammates. Um, you know, and, and just seeing all my old friends. Like, it's going to be 
crazy, and I can't wait. Good year right. for Buffalo. Yeah, well, we look Thanks, forward to LaShawn. seeing you, LaShawn. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Uh, again, LaShawn McCoy, this week, legend of the game. When the Bills host the Patriots, legend of the game, presented by the BFLO store, official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. Download and visit the Bills app and enter for a chance to win a $250 BFLO store gift card and a signed LaShawn McCoy football. Shady, thanks. We'll see you Sunday. All right, guys. All right, that's LaShawn McCoy joining us. We'll take a break here. Be back with much more on a Friday edition of One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One uh, item about show upkeep uh, and housekeeping that we wanted to mention to you. The segment that you just heard with LaShawn McCoy was pre-taped, and Steve and I did not want our upbeat nature with LaShawn to be construed as dismissive of the news we broke the segment prior, which was that uh, play-by-play man for the Buffalo Bills radio network, John Murphy, in a statement released by the team, suffered a stroke last weekend and will not be uh, doing the game again this week because of his recovery from that situation. And Murph, being a personal friend of mine, personal friend of Steve's, and former colleague here on this very show, uh, we didn't want you to feel we were making light of Murph's condition with the segment that followed the announcement. Right. We, uh, we, uh, yeah. We pre-taped that we, segment we before we knew morning. anything. We taped this this morning before we knew anything, and it sounded when we were out there talking about Murph. It sounds like we didn't acknowledge, or you know, we didn't, and we didn't, we didn't know. It sounds like we didn't know, and at that time we did it, we didn't. But uh, our friend and buddy Murph, and um, is not doing so good, and he's not doing the game again this week, and he's had a stroke, and uh, our thoughts are with him, and. And it bothers us. The way we didn't want to come off, and particularly if Murph's listening, <laughs> to, to him think that we weren't thinking about him. Um, we are. Yeah, we, we just were worried that it came across as dismissive, uh, his condition, and it, that is not the case at all. Well, we just um, want to know that. We've added him to our prayer list, to be well, completely we want, honest. Yeah, we want John and Mary and Jack and Mark as well to, yeah. to know we're thinking about him, and, and as is everybody in the building. So we're. There's a lot going on at One Bills Drive these days, and uh, and Murph has always been a part of it, and we're and we just want to keep it that way. And yeah. So in case you're just joining us and you didn't hear that news, John Murphy suffered a stroke last weekend. He's recovering at home with his family, making progress every day, which is good to hear. John and the Murphy family are grateful for the excellent care by the staff and doctors at Buffalo General Medical Center. We appreciate everyone's support. So for those of you that have had Damar Hamlin. On your prayer list among Bills Mafia in the Western New York community, please add our good friend and colleague John Murphy to that list uh, as we hope he makes a full and complete recovery. Uh, in the meantime, we'll all hold the fort here on his behalf. Um, and, yeah, that's that's basically where it stands. Uh, it, it makes you shake your head sometimes. Uh, there's a lot going on. Yeah, we there's only so many so many hits that – the Western New York community is going to be able to handle. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll find our way through this one uh, and support Murph and his family as best we can. Um, but if anybody out there is listening that has any power whatsoever, can we stop? <laughs> can we stop the hits for yeah. Western New York? Um, 
there's just been way too many uh, for us to overcome here. So hopefully this is the last of it going forward uh, for a long, long time. So uh, so we, um, we get ready well, for this game now as best we can. Heck of a Friday show now, too. Uh, started out with the news about DeMar Hamlin that we all have been waiting on, and now we, we get this dropped on us about Murph. And uh, uh, he is at home, though, doing better, I guess. So it's from the Making progress. So making progress. Making so, progress. Uh, so that's, that's awesome good. awesome to hear. And, uh, you know, the last this is the last show, and I'll say this, too. Uh, um, Brownie, I appreciate you all this week. It's been a rough week for all of us here. Uh, one Bills Live and One Bills Drive and here in Western New York and Bills Mafia and everybody who listens and watches and follows our show and, and the team. It's been a rough week, and um, we hope that this week leads to better weeks in the coming in the coming days. And uh, we thank all of you for the, the callers and the support I've gotten on my phone. Uh, Brownie and I have not done any outside media appearances um, since Tuesday or since, well, me at all. And um, so... Um, and believe me, people have been wanting to find out our take on it, and it's been nice to not to have to do that. The club allevi alleviated that responsibility from us. Um, but this has been a rough week, and I know all of you out there have gone through it with us, and we appreciate you. Right, and I think that's what Buffalo and Western New York does best. Um, they're called the City of Good Neighbors for a reason. When there is a time of crisis that's affecting one person or many people, uh, this community wraps its arms around those people like nothing I've ever seen before. I've spent more than half my life here. I know you have at this point, too. Right. We consider ourselves Buffalonians. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's always good time and again to see this community rally for people in need. And uh, we've got those people now here in our own community, so be sure right. you do that. And if you're going to the game on Sunday, I know I don't have to tell you, be loud and be proud. Uh, yep. and, and rally this team to another victory on Sunday. We're done here. We'll, we'll catch up Monday. with you on Monday at noon. Uh, we'll see you then. Enjoy the weekend and the game.